Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another uh, another episode of the Florida State Podcast. Uh, Bud, been a while since we've done one of these. I know both of us got real sick after signing day. Uh, and just weren't in a place to record anything. So apologies to uh, to the listeners who uh, didn't get a post-signing day podcast. That was certainly something we were going to do, and uh, and uh, both of us just weren't in a place to do it. And I know I'm actually recovering from a little bit of strep throat right now, and you're uh, not fully fully perfect either. So uh, even tonight we may battle with that a little bit, but. Uh, just want to uh, go ahead and get back into the flow of things, enough of, uh, of us uh, complaining about our health. Uh, want to talk about uh, a couple different things tonight. won't be exceptionally long, but uh, I think we would be wise to at least give some kind of beginning, uh, very surface-level look at the 2015 class, particularly with the two junior days that Florida State just completed. Uh, and then maybe we'll use a little bit of that to look towards spring practice, but we'll use our own podcast, uh, an own individual podcast, to preview spring, um, and then maybe close the uh, conversation with a little bit of draft talk as it looks like uh, Florida State is very much in the position to uh, to do what is maybe that one last final uh, remaining thing that they had yet to accomplish as a uh, major big-time college football program. So, uh, we haven't been able to do one of these in a while, and, and for that I'm sorry, but uh, at the same time excited about tonight and uh, excited to get a chance to talk with you again. Yeah, no, Ingram, glad to be back and, and glad we're, we're back to cranking these uh, uh, more regular. So um, where do you want to go first? want to go uh, the, the, the junior days and, and, and Ford State's current recruiting class and, and that kind yeah. of stuff, or, or do you want to go, uh, um, I guess, that we'll – well, let's go ahead and start there. It works for I, me. I think junior day is the best place to start. I do. All right. So, uh, Florida State had junior days the last uh, last two weekends. And for those of you who don't know, junior days are basically a uh, informational day where, you know, rising, rising seniors, essentially, and also underclassmen um, can come and check out Florida State, learn more about its football program, learn more about its academics, learn more about its training program learn more about, you know, the kind of everything and the total student life uh, that you could have at Florida State. It, it's it's not technically invite only necessarily, um, but for the most part, you, you just don't have random people showing up there unless they're tagging along um, w- with a friend or teammate. And I, I think Florida State did a, did a very nice job with its two junior days. You got to remember, FSU is a hard place to get to. When we did that study a couple months ago, about why downsizing the stadium was actually a smart move. Part of our reasoning there was because Florida State has, has one of the smallest populations, in fact, the smallest population within a certain radius of any team with an 80,000-seat stadium, right? Uh, so it, it is kind of a hike for a lot of these recruits to get to Tallahassee. People don't, don't always realize that. I mean, you know, Jacksonville is, is two and a half hours away. 
uh, longer from some parts. Tampa is, is four. Orlando is, you know, three and a half sometimes. Um, Miami, gosh, it, it, if you catch bad traffic, it could take eight, nine hours. So, yeah, it's tough to get guys there. I think it, in particular, they did a very nice job of getting the, the, the Dade County and the Broward County kids up for their first junior day. And they had to do it for the first junior day because of the fact that the second junior day um, was actually going to conflict with the uh, Miami Nike tour uh, down in Miami, where, where the, the Nike tour uh, tour stop down in Miami, mm-hmm. which of course is where these kids go if they want to get invited to the opening, which is the huge, uh, you know, the, basically the the camp season end uh, camp there in in Oregon at the Nike facility where they get all this kind of Nike gear and uh, and have a really great time to recognize as one of the top recruits in the country. So you weren't really going to get a lot of day kids at that point uh, up, and so I thought they did a very nice job of getting those day kids up early. Um, they ended up landing two commitments uh, on the first, uh, um, well, two commitments from, from 2016 members on that first junior day. One, Keir Thomas, and the other, Jamel Cook. Uh, I got to see both those kids this weekend. So this is a well-timed podcast, and I actually got to see them working out and, uh, and, and doing stuff. Thomas, I thought, had a very nice day overall. Um, you know, he's not incredibly long, and uh, I thought he showed better uh, – work with his hands on, on film than he did in, in, in person in, in, in the padless camps. Uh, but overall, I, I thought he had a nice day with the exception of the fact that, that the, the defensive end for Miami Central ended up getting stoned uh, by uh, Kid Antonero Slayton, who's a guy to keep an, uh, keep an eye on. He's a 20, member of the class of 2017 out of American Heritage. Uh, the, the right tackle there looks like a guy who I think could eventually just be a, a superstar guard in the NFL with that type of build. Um, he just basically owned Thomas in the final three reps. So that was a little disappointing there at the end. But I think Thomas is a nice prospect. He, he, to me, he's, he's accurately rated as a you know higher three-star type prospect by, by 247 Sports and everybody else. Um, I, I don't really see this some huge need to push him to a four-star at this point. Uh, the other kid they got out of that weekend was, uh, was Jamel Cook. And, and Jamel Cook is a very interesting athlete, also out of Miami Central, which, of course, gave FSU – Dalvin Cook, Devontae Phillips, Calvin Bruton, uh, Devontae Freeman, so on and so forth. So a, a real nice, uh, I don't want to call it a pipeline because they, they produce so much talent that, that a lot of the kids go where they want. Um, but a, a, a certainly a good relationship being maintained there by Tim Brewster and company. Jamel Cook, I thought, had an excellent camp. Um, for a guy who is is that big, and we're talking almost six foot five, you know, 185, 190. And so he's, he looks like a string bean because he is. Uh, but really great range at, at that size. And I thought he showed pretty good change of direction for that size, for that length. Now, he did get abused by a, a kid named Sam Bruce. And, and the, the last name means something here because that's the, uh, that's right. the little, nephew, little nephew of Isaac Bruce, the former NFL superstar. Um, Sam Bruce is like a five foot seven jitterbug type. And in, in no way would, uh, yeah. would Jamel Cook be yeah. asked to cover him in an actual game, right? But in one-on-ones, he jumped up there several times to try and cover Bruce, and I, I thought it showed good, good competitive spirit, even if the results were not uh, were not good. I know he got a, a bump up today, and I don't really pay attention to these rankings early on too much. I, I think for the most part, they are, are very flawed, incomplete, and inaccurate this early on, simply because these services have not had time to see these kids at this point. They really haven't, and they put these rankings out there in order to, to make more money, because, hey, if you, if you write an article about a kid and he has no ranking, people that may not pay attention, but if you're able to slap a, 
a five-star rating tag next to them, right? When you share that on Facebook, tell me how, how, how your engagement, your click numbers are going to look. Probably a lot better. So really, I, I wouldn't pay attention too much to, to what these kids are rated early on. Look at their offers. Both these kids ha have some nice offers now. Uh, but 247 bumped Cook up on their own personal ratings to a uh, number 69 overall player in the country and, and the fifth rated athlete in, in the nation. So that was a huge, huge jump. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with quite that much, but I also don't have a problem with him being a, a four-star type when all is said and done. I think he could be a nice player for them. Uh, so those were the two that they got uh, last weekend. In addition to getting um, – Oh, gosh, what's his name? He's actually just from down the road here for me. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, the, uh, he's a running back, actually, named Zaquandre White out of North Fort Myers, and his running oh, back coach there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Part I'm going to call quite the uh, Quite the name potential at running back. They got some serious names at running back. Um, I'm going to call him Zach <laughs> because that's just easier for me uh, to remember. Anyway, um, he's a pretty nice running back. He, he, I think his top end is limited. Uh, but other than that, I mean, he, he runs hard. He has, you know, decent shiftiness relative to his size. I mean, he, he's a 200-pounder already as a uh, entering his junior year in high school for North Fort Myers High. Uh, Ernest Graham, the former uh, Florida Gators running back, is his running back coach and, and seems to do a good job with him there. So uh, that's a nice pickup for them. I, I know a kid that they're certainly high on, and we're glad to have him up there for that junior day. Um, the next uh, the, the next junior day actually – didn't produce any uh, new commitments on the day, but it, it got some important kids in, especially some of the younger kids and, and some of the guys who visited from out of state, right? Which mattered a lot because, you know, hey, there, there wasn't a whole lot of kids from in-state, especially down south, which is where the real talent is in this state, making those visits. So they ended up getting E.J. Price uh, to come visit. He, he's actually from Lawrenceville, Georgia, Archer High School up there, um, right. kind of around your way. That's a nice target for them. I mean, that's an important guy. Um, Stuart Reese is a kid out of uh, Fort Pierce Central. He's an extremely large player. I think you're going to continue to monitor him, see how he looks, see how his body looks when it comes to the camp. And then uh, Andrew Broselli, who, hey, his last name matters yeah. as well, if you remember. Another, another little more NFL lineage <laughs> there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, who's uh, very well put together for his size. We were talking around 6'4", 290-ish, and, uh, and, and quite trim. Um, he's out of the Jacksonville area. Of course, his dad was the number one overall pick in Jaguars franchise history. So, uh, and, and a guy who was just, when he was healthy, was a dominant force in the NFL for, for quite a while. Um, Carlos Becker, who's a guy that I know some of the FSU's fans on the message boards were very, uh, very skeptical on when, when Florida State offered him. But I remember this kid from the state playoffs and, and, and Osceola, his high school at a Kissimmee there, which is just South of Orlando, kind of around Disney. Um, you know, w w when he was playing in, in state playoffs, they eventually got crushed by St. Thomas Aquinas, as did pretty much everybody this year. But he really he, – he did his best out there, and, and he has very impressive highlight tape, a, a corner who's I, – I think he's closer to 6'1 than he is 6'3. But in any case, um, Florida State offered him, and uh, now he has let's, – let's see here. Who else did he get in, in the, the days after Free Scouting University uh, when, <laughs> when gave an offer, right? Okay. Hmm. Let's check this out. Oh, so Florida State offers February 25th, same day. Florida offers, Ohio State offers, Ole Miss offers, Mississippi State offers, Tennessee offers, Louisville offers. And I, I I know Bama's talking to him too. So mm -hmm. that's a uh, that's a pretty nice offer list if, if you're a, a quarterback. 
he was able to come up and, and check it out. And I believe he spoke with one of our guys and, and they told me he liked it a lot. We, I think we have an article on the site. I, to be honest, I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to what we were publishing that day because I was down there in Miami covering the, the Nike camp. Um, but they, they got some good kids up. And importantly, they also got a guy named Nate Craig Myers up. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about him in particular. He's a big physical wide receiver, uh, currently in Auburn commit. Uh, tell you, tell us what you thought he came away from that visit and where uh, Florida State stands. Well, I, the first thing I'll tell you is that I ran into him in Orlando, in the, or the Orlando Nike camp the day after he visited Florida State. So we were able to chat up a pretty good bit. And uh, he's every bit of 6'2", 210. I mean, that, that's, that's a grown man. Now, he missed last year all but the, like part of the first game with a leg injury. Now, the last time I saw Nate Craig Myers healthy and playing, he was really quite a force in the seven-on-seven circuit last summer before his senior season started. I mean, he's a physical guy. He has really nice burst. I think the top end is not like track style, you know, track star elite type stuff, uh, but, but still a really nice player and someone that Florida State wants to get. Uh, they've been doing a little bit better in the Tampa area of late, and, and he has a great connection with Lawrence Saucy, just as he has a great connection with Damian Craig. We'll kind of have to see um, how that goes. Now, he told me that, that it, you know, the visit kind of opened his eyes a little bit and that he really was looking forward to coming back for the spring game um, and that uh, while he was committed, Auburn, uh, I think his quote from me was, was knew the deal or, or, or they understood what was up or something like that. Uh, and, and so that basically Auburn knows they're going to have to keep recruiting throughout the process yeah. and that, that he's going to yeah, look at places. Auburn understands the business of, uh, of recruiting quite well. They, they, they know what's going on, certainly. They do. Um, and and he, so he's going to take a lot of his visits. And uh, I'm, he said he doesn't know when he's going to make a final decision. It's just whenever he feels right and, and really feels like he's solidified it. So uh, the other part of that visit was that his brother, Javon Myers, is out of Pasco um, in Dade City there. Um, he is a corner. And I should clarify, this is his half-brother. Uh, he's a corner who Nate Craig Myers had publicly said uh, big things would happen if Florida State offered his brother, right? So – a lot of us took that to mean, based on on the, the that tweet, that they would be that he was implying uh, some sort of package deal where, hey, if you take my brother, I'll come with. And, and while uh, taking the brother would certainly help Florida State get Nate Craig, um, I, when I spoke to Nate, he told me that, look, we're, we're we're independent. We're not a package deal. You know, Florida State is going to recruit us independently from each other. Um, and in fact, FSU did not offer the brother. So some people thought that was a mistake. I actually don't think it's a big time mistake. And here's why. First, they did measure him in. And, and I guess he, he came in at six foot plus, which is really nice for a DB. And I think he's a guy that if he did not work out at corner, could potentially move to safety, which also would suggest, hey, maybe you want to offer him. He's not going to be one of the best DBs you signed this year, most likely. But he could be one of those guys who could play at an acceptable level to be sort of one of your lesser DB signings, but Florida State didn't offer him, and here's the deal. If they keep showing interest in him, and he makes another trip up to see if he can get an offer in person, you know, maybe, maybe later on in the spring, maybe at, at their summer camp. The camp, right. Guess who's probably coming with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, so. there's good thinking there, and I, I realize you offer kids sometimes to get another one. I remember uh, uh didn't Georgia give Theus his little brother a full ride as a long snapper? A long snapper, uh, they did. Yeah, uh, that's that's one that immediately pops into my head. Um, yeah, and it, it's a little different if if it is a family member rather than just you know 
hey, recruit my friend here who's a, uh, you know, would otherwise be going to UTC or something like that. Uh, but it is a, uh, I'll say it's certainly a less than desirable situation that you create when you're already, like, extending, when you're already caving to the demands of a kid to the fact where you're extending scholarships that in this class could be potentially exceptionally valuable. Uh, I, I, I also point out that the, you know, the theuses, they, they live together, right? And, uh, you know, Nate and, uh, and, and Javon don't. Don't, right, yeah. And, their and high school is four minutes away. I mean, I'm sure they, they, they talk quite often, but it's not like, you know, when Ford State calls Javon or Ford State calls Nate, it's right. not like they're calling a house phone in the same house and you hear it ring. And so if it rings from one guy and not the other, you're going to be disappointed. You know, it, it's, they are separate. I, I think the, the strategy of recruiting them separately probably makes sense, especially uh, if it gets Nate Craig on campus more. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like a kid who, uh, you know, maybe wouldn't be somebody that Florida State would uh, would go after uh, absolutely, but, but certainly a kid who might otherwise be on their radar, uh, just not necessarily a, a, a first to be offered. So uh, it's interesting to watch how that plays out. Craig Meyer, uh, in all likelihood, Bud, you think that's the last wide receiver that would be in this class if he were to be uh, part of it? Ooh, um you know, I, I currently have Ford State projected, I, I think, to take two or three. And I know other sites think only two. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of, of, of attrition this offseason, guys just leaving for playing time purposes. I mean, we're going to have quite the uh, quite the, the, the competition here. And some guys are going are gonna to be pretty seriously missing out on playing time come 2016. If you just if – you, if you quickly pull up the uh, – Florida State roster by year, which is in that that, that tab uh, that we have. Um, actually, going to make some typing sound so I can do that. Uh, think about who the receivers are going to be in in 2016. You know, Jesus yeah. Wilson's still there, Kermit's still there, John Franklin's still there, Isaiah Jones is is, is still there, Travis Rudolph's still there, Ermin Lane's still there. I mean, none of Javon Harrison's still there. Mm-hmm. George Campbell's still there. Devontae Phillips still there. Auden Tate's still there. Nyquan Murray's still there. I mean, that's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven receivers eligible to return in 2016. Yeah. Reasonable, uh, you know, like studying past history, which is our best teacher, two of these kids are going to leave, right? I mean, for playing time elsewhere, they, they almost have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you would think, think so. Uh, Florida State does not necessarily make it a habit of uh, quote unquote processing kids, but uh, wide receiver, there's some there's some players in the secondary who you would think would either pursue other options or you know there's only so many t- times that you sit on the uh, one. There's only so many times you sit on the bench and don't play. What's more importantly is the number of the times that you sit on the bench, don't play, and then watch younger kids surpass you on the depth chart uh, before you start to make a decision to leave. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Some of that's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see where it does and and when it does, how it impacts the numbers and and what would be available for the upcoming class. Especially if FSU is not winning at the level they were the last three years, which I don't really think either of us project them to do in 2015. So, uh, when things aren't going quite as well, maybe the the scales uh, 
are, are going to tip and you decide to, to head elsewhere. Um, yeah, just I understand the, the playing what you're time there, and that's true. It is a lot easier to stay on a team that you know goes out to the Rose Bowl and wins the national championship, but um, they may not. Florida State may not be successful uh, to that level the next year, but I don't see Florida State falling to a level where you start to see kids leaving uh, because of the trajectory of the program. And I'm not saying that's what you're no, no, saying I, at all. No, I know what you're I, saying. I, I know what you're saying. Uh, but just want to be clear, it's not a, uh, you know, you're still talking about one of the more premier brands in, in all of college football right now. But you're right, winning does uh, does mask a lot of trouble, and it does uh, it does maybe make, make a decision to leave uh, all the more challenging to uh, to walk away from a team that, is in the semifinals, uh, is is winning the national championship, et cetera. So uh, curious oh. to see what attrition looks like and, and again, when that happens, where it happens, and, and what it means for the 15 class. Uh, Florida State also picked up a commit from Kevin Robledo, uh, who is a going to be a preferred walk-on. Um, preferred walk-on essentially means, look, you're guaranteed one of the walk-on spots, and you actually get to participate in training camp as opposed to showing up for open tryouts. Uh, mm-hmm. So – He's actually the former teammate of 2016 quarterback Malik Henry. Uh, they were both at Westlake together. Not really hmm. sure what happened on the story as far as him not siding with anybody, uh, but a lot of times walk on or a lot of times kickers are just not given scholarships to some of the top programs, and especially if they're independently wealthy. And, and Westlake, uh, there's certainly some money around that part uh, of, of California. I, I don't know if, uh, if if Kevin and his family are, uh, but. If so, Florida State being a state school uh, is not necessarily that expensive, uh, or he perhaps could get some sort of academic scholarship or something. Anyway, um, taking a, a walk-on kicker in this situation is not that unusual. I think the interesting thing to note here is that he's actually going to be a member of the class of 2015, so he'll be on campus in just a few short months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if uh, if we're taking a kicker's name and his last name is not Aguayo at this point, I am uh, I'm curious as to uh to what the plans are but uh yeah a preferred walk on costs you nothing uh be interesting to see what he's kind of projected as uh, my opinion is that he's probably just a little bit of depth uh and maybe kind of a, a sandwich here uh if that makes sense and uh you know look it's a, a good thing to have florida state's been blessed uh really in a way is kind of turned into kicker you which certainly has a large dose of irony uh, for people who have followed the program for more than 15 years or so. Uh, but it's it's a premier place to play, uh, and that certainly extends to the kicking position. Um, I'm curious if that kid ever gets on the field. Uh, but one other kid I wanted to ask you about is uh, another Metro Atlanta prospect, and it's uh, defensive end Jordan Smith. Uh, I believe he was offered during the junior day. Where do you think Florida State stands with him? You know, the defensive end spot is really an interesting one for them because of the fact that they already have, you know, what, three or four guys committed there right now. You have Janarius Robinson, who by all accounts is going to be a stud. You have Josh Brown, who is uh, sort of a DN slash outside linebacker recruit and, and I, I think is um, probably the, the least solid or the most liquid of all their commitments right now. He's certainly talking to their schools quite a bit. And has not made a return visit, I don't believe, uh, since he committed over the summer during camp. And then you have Thomas, uh, the kid that we discussed earlier from Miami Central. I think Florida State signs three defensive ends in this class, and and so 
it certainly makes sense that they continue to pursue uh, more guys, right? Now, I don't know necessarily that that Smith would be a take right now for them. It is it's kind of a question for me. You know, he's long. He's, he's a pass rusher type. Mm-hmm. I know Clemson likes him a lot. He also picked up a Georgia offer um, fairly recently, and, and Ohio State offered him uh, actually over the summer. So he's a guy that I think they probably want to see in camp. I, I've not had a chance to watch his film, uh, but you know, 6'6", 220, Florida State doesn't typically offer like guys like that unless they have a frame to fill out a little bit more. But they, they had to have been impressed to, to give him the offer there on junior day. And, and you know, Florida State is always going to try and recruit Georgia hard. It's not doing quite as well in recent years just with, with, with SEC schools kind of kind of taking even more hold there. Um, but, yeah, that, that is, that is kind of right by you. I should also make note that um, Janarius actually came and, and, uh, and stopped by junior day as well. And so he got to – Got to meet Coach Brad Lawing in person, and uh, and that was good, and he really enjoyed his visit. And I think people who believe that Robinson is going to flip somewhere else are uh, are are not uh, are not on the right track. I, I think he's very very solidly at issue. Good to hear, um, Bud. One thing that we wanted to kind of tie in with uh, with this as we do a very brief look at the uh, at the the future class, the 2016 class, I guess. Uh, is particular areas that would be of importance because of uh, of maybe a position group that wasn't up to par with with either expectation or need from the past class. So you look at that, you immediately think, uh, or at least I immediately think, you probably were a little short on bodies at the linebacker position because of a couple unique different circumstances. And then... uh, on the interior of the defensive line. Is there anybody at those two positions that really immediately jumps out to you uh, that would be like a major kind of uh, bell cow prospect, if you would, or, or some of the top people on the board uh, of places of need just from maybe the deficiencies of the past class? Uh, at linebacker, I, I think you got to look at, at a guy like Keon Joyner out of North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah he's Joyner one of those. One of the elite, what one of the eight, maybe eight best prospects in the entire class, or something like that. I mean, uh, I mean, I know. Early, so I want to be conservative, but I, I think he's a, a certainly a, a top twenty-five national kid for sure okay. at this point. And, and I mean, one easily one of the best linebackers in the nation. I, I, there's really no doubt. And that with some of these guys, when you just you, you've seen them for a while, you, you kind of just know they have that that kind of look. Um, hmm. But yeah, that, that's definitely. Uh, um, that's definitely a, a freakish type uh, type linebacker right there. I mean, elite long, prospect, but also just sorry, also uh, big. Go on. No, say he's long, but he's also big, and he, and he can really, really run and hit. I mean, that, that's a true difference maker at the linebacker position right there. Uh, they're going to take two to three linebackers this year, um, and given that they already have Emmett Rice, who I, I like a lot, got to see him in person this weekend, can really run uh, wider shoulders, very narrow in the hips, so – Probably a guy that's going to remind you of Telvin Smith a little bit uh, at, at times. I don't know if he makes quite as many plays as Telvin did in high school, but Telvin was also on a team that I think was much better coached than Norman was. Um, and then today they picked up uh, Tyree Horton as well, uh, who's mm-hmm. going to be a, a junior college linebacker for him. A run-and-hit type dude who will probably play at the two-and-a-quarter range. And uh, and someone who I, I like when I saw him on film, and especially if he's able to come in and be a guy who redshirts this year in junior college 
and then comes in with, with three years to play three. That, that'd be a nice pickup for them. Um, and apparently he may be in line to do that. So if that if that's possible, uh, then that's a nice pickup. Some people think they actually could take four uh, linebackers this time. I don't know if that's really going to happen. you got to kind of see how a guy like, like a Lorenzo Phillips fits into your defense, how you're going to use Jacob Pugh, um, and, and what Roderick Hoskins does. He obviously has uh, three years left to play counting this one. Uh, it wouldn't totally shock me uh, if they did end up taking that many, uh, but I think two to three is the, is the more safe number right now unless Kane Dobb uh, transfers out. And then if he does, then you may want to bump it up to three to four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good deal. Uh, the only thing that I was going to say there about Joyner is that he's a, a huge national recruit, a guy that uh, is looking a lot at Florida and LSU, and, uh, you know, he'll have his, his pick of colleges. If you're Florida State, you might feel a little more optimistic than, than you would otherwise, only because he is in North Carolina, uh, a school that is uh, maybe not, uh, or a state, rather, that maybe is not uh, quite as indoctrinated in the uh, the SEC message that some of these kids get. And also, um, isn't it isn't it not like the high school that Lawing is from and his first, yes. uh, first job uh, was coaching there? So you've got a little bit of what appears to be a kind of a very fortuitous tie back to that area in that school in particular that makes you uh, a little bit team. more of a heads up on a, on a large national prospect like that. You know, you, you put Brad Lawing there on him. Uh, you got Jay Graham who has, has North Carolina connections and, uh, and you say, look, guys got to get it done. Uh, you know, we have the uh, fourth largest, I think, or fifth largest assistant salary pool in the country now, thanks to that uh, three quarters of a million dollar raise that Jimbo negotiated uh, for his assistant salary pool. And uh, I mean, even though I'm sure that other, other schools will bump theirs up too, it's still most likely going to remain top 10. And uh, that, that's a kid they need to really be in on. I'm not saying you necessarily have to land it, but you have to have a legitimate shot. You got to get him on visits. You, you got to make sure you get in with that guy. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, move to the interior. I, I know Georgia, particularly the metro area, has a, has a uh, kind of odd abundance of uh, of big men, and Florida State's involved with a couple of them. Uh, but what do you think? The real elite prospects as far as the defensive tackles that, that Florida State's involved with early, uh, where do they look and, and what does the board look like right now? You know, I don't really think that there are a whole lot of elite guys uh, for them right now at this position who who, uh, who are likely to sign with that issue. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Um, you know, I'm sure people don't want to hear that, but it, it's it's still early and maybe, maybe some develop or maybe they're able to, to leverage a connection or maybe they can go the junior college route. They already have Cedric Wood, which is good. Yeah, and I know he talked about the Wood kid out of Tallahassee. I think Cedric Wood is is pretty clearly one of your I don't know fifteen best defensive tackles in the country at this point. I mean he he's six four, he's you know nearly three hundred pounds, uh, and and fairly lean at that size. I know we talked about playing defensive end some this year versus high school, but I, I think he's a tackle all the way uh, for Florida State. You know they, they want to get in on Julian Rochester, but realistically. That kind of seems like like a kid that is going to sign with an Auburn or a Georgia. Just yeah, my opinion. Good luck um, getting the McEachern kid out of the SEC. Uh, that's going to be very very challenging. Exactly. It's also a kid yeah. that uh, just geographically, McEachern is on the western part of Atlanta, uh, which not to bore people, but 
you're on the western part of Atlanta, you can get to Auburn, Alabama in about 60 minutes or so. Uh, so that's going to be between Athens or Auburn. That is going to be uh, a hell of a fight. Now, I'll give you a name if you want to go back to North Carolina. Um, and I totally agree with you on Rochester. Uh, I just I don't I don't see that happening. Um, not 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 taking him from SEC schools. I, I don't think Florida State can do that. Not not from SEC country. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is a name I'll give you though out of out of Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, again, North Carolina is kind of good for FSU in that it's not totally an SEC country. These kids are not indoctrinated over and over again. But how good the SEC is, and, and look, Florida State won a national title. Ohio State did too. And yet the SEC network uh, still cranks on. It's already making more money uh, than um, than ESPNU is. Actually, I was told by a very reliable source there in the industry, which might shock some people. But that's nobody watches. Cutting, nobody watches the cutting a check five mil, a cool five million to each institution. Uh, what are they, and they're they're five years ahead of schedule in terms yeah. of uh, yeah. uh, in it terms is, of revenue. Uh, I know people hate talking about this, but it is the financial government that a lot of people were concerned it might turn into. Yeah, and even if the AC network gets rolling, it's not going to be anything like that. So, um, all right. I think that, that Dexter Lawrence, if they can get this kid down on campus, he's a guy who at least early on seems like he has interest in, you know, in, in schools other than like Georgia and Auburn and Alabama. You know, he, he likes Florida. He likes FSU. He's got the Clemson offer. Uh, you know, I, I, he, he's – he looks fairly young in the face, uh, good build, 6'5", 3'10". That's a kid that I, I could see them maybe getting in on and, and getting. Um, you know, the other elite defensive tackles in the country, really, I, I don't see them getting Rashawn Gary out of, uh, out of New Jersey. He really likes Alabama, he told me. Uh, Derek Brown, again, out of Buford, um, good luck. Uh, although, I mean, Isaac Nata did go to Buford. Uh, yeah, for, but he's not know, your for a little while. Buford kid. He's uh... – yeah, he's from he's Jacksonville. He's a kid who what, grew, was born in Michigan, moved somewhere else for, to his to Jacksonville, job, yeah. and, and then moved to Buford. I mean, that's not uh, that's not your typical kid who grew up in Gwinnett County. And, no. Uh, Buford, Buford's not. real aggressive about getting the, uh, let's say, getting the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade all-star teams all uh, all moved into the right neighborhoods. Uh, yeah. And it's I not, mean, a, not a product of the Buford system, I'll put it that way. Edward Alexander and Richard Lawrence are both out of Louisiana, so uh, I think we've played that game several times over the past few years, and uh, people who have followed along know how that goes. Uh, not well, uh, ever. So, you know, I, I think if you get wood and you're able to pull a Lawrence kid, you you, you absolutely freak out, and, and that, that's an awesome haul. Uh, the other kid to think about is Shavar Manuel. I mean, he looks to me mm-hmm. like a guy who could very easily grow into a defensive tackle. You know, I don't know if he's going to have – the athleticism of Amari Edwards Jr. to be that size and stay on the edge. He might have to end up growing in, in the defensive tackle. Um, I mean, you may not have to pull him off the training table. You know, just, just, just let him eat and let him be a DT. So that's a kid that, that I think Florida State has a great chance with. Obviously, uh, there were reports that he actually committed to FSU and then didn't want to go public with it and that kind of stuff. Um, I believe he probably did give the coaches the indication. I don't know if he really understood fully uh, the, the events that were going to unfold after he did that. Uh, but FSU served in a good position with him, although LSU thinks they've got a shot too. Um, ultimately, I think that you know if you sign Wood and and some lesser prospect, you're probably a little disappointed. If you get Wood, uh, Manuel, and a third kid, you're probably pretty happy. Yeah, good deal. 
Um, I don't want to get too much bogged down into 2016 recruiting, but we do do this every year. We've been doing this, I don't know, five, six, however many years, but we do try to kind of lay a very surface-level look at just some of the names that <clears throat> are coming down the pipeline. And also, I realize people think talking recruiting right now is bizarre, but it's it's the game has changed so much, uh, at least for the way that Florida State in particular recruits these classes maybe forty five percent full already somewhere in that area. Yeah. Uh it's just it's if you're going to have a podcast about Florida State football, uh you can't do it and not talk about recruiting until the first week in December or something like that. So um again, I don't want to get too bogged down in it, but it is something that you've got to do. Um are there any other real large names that, that jump out at you? Uh, as to where Florida State might be in the process with them right now, as we start to uh, start to transition away from recruiting. Yeah, uh, a guy named Eli Stove, who actually he's out of Niceville, Florida, which is up there in the Panhandle. Um, you, you all know it; it's, it's kind of on, on the way to uh, uh, way to like Pensacola in that area. Um, he's a guy I think could actually play receiver or corner. I believe he wants to play receiver in college. He, in my opinion, is, is certainly a top ten type receiver in the whole country and one of the best in the state. Florida State has always been on him. Uh, I think they're in good position with him, along with uh, a number of other, other SEC schools. And, and again, they're going to be very selective this year at the receiver position, especially as they chase Nate Craig. Uh, running back is a spot actually to, to watch here. Um, they missed on, on the top two targets, which, to be honest, I think were everybody's top two targets, in Kareem Walker and Taven Feaster, who, who uh, unsurprisingly picked Ohio State and Clemson uh, right there, and then. Uh, they offered a kid recently, actually, named, named Travis Homer, who I was a little bit surprised just how athletic he was this weekend at the Miami Nike. So that, that's definitely something to watch right there um, with, with the offer they extended to him. He's out of the Oxbridge Academy in West Palm Beach, which is a, uh, uh, a school that's very much on, on the come. And, and I was told he's feeding kids breakfast and stuff. It's a private school. And, and the, uh, the, their ability to get players is quickly increasing. And a couple of high school coaches I talked to down there, Thought that Oxford would pretty quickly win a state title here, especially in, in that kind of lower division. So um, he's a name to watch. And then Amir Rasul, who's a, a superstar track guy, um, is a Miami commitment, but uh, came out and said that uh, Florida State was basically his dream offer, which I'm right. sure if you're Miami's coaches is not necessarily all that yeah. comforting to you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're definitely going to hold on to all these commitments. <clears throat> nothing, nothing to be concerned about here. Uh, yeah, um, Isaac, you know, Isaac Nada looked really good this weekend to me, uh, coming back from his injury. You know, offensive line is an interesting spot this year. Uh, Babyon Johnson actually got an invite to the opening, and, and he's very intriguing because Porter State believes that he can play center. And, indeed, he was snapping and, and blocking this weekend. Uh, and, and he's always looked good to me in camps. I just wish that he played with, with better pad level and, and better hip snap in actual games and, and would finish guys off and pancake them. It, act, it actually was in pads. It, too often when I watch him, um, and this is not to say he's not a Florida State level prospect. I just don't know if he's the superstar prospect that some people think he is. I mean, maybe he is, and maybe he grows into it. Who knows? Um, but he doesn't really pancake guys and put them on the ground and just physically overwhelm them, and he kind of just pops up on contact. So that's something to watch uh, to see. He has a Florida State tattoo on his arm, um, which could give you an indication of where he could be leaning, to be honest. A uh, big-time FSU fan, and uh, he also has grades issues, and I believe they wanted to drop a little bit of weight as well. Uh, it kind of mm-hmm. shows commitment to fitness. Um, but he's a guy that I think, if he finishes strong, 
this semester and then comes into their summer camp uh, or, you know, whatever they, they see him next after, after he gets semester grades in a little bit better shape, it could easily join the class. Um, and then other offensive tackles, they, they really like the EJ Price kid, obviously out, out, of, out of Lawrenceville, which is up, up there by you. Um, DN, we already talked about Shavar Manuel. We already talked about Janarius, uh, Jordan Smith, a new name on, on the board. Brian Burns is actually another new name on the board. Brian, who I got to talk to this weekend, actually earned an invite to the opening. And uh, six foot five, two oh seven. That's uh, that's Damn. pretty. That's pretty skinny. Uh, and you had to be thinking, well, if he's going to be that 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 frail, or I don't want to call him frail, but that 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 uh, skinny, um, he better have some great burst off the football. And he does. He's out of American Heritage High School, and a guy who I think you would want to. Uh, sort of use in a way that you'd use Lorenzo Featherston early on, um, that, or perhaps a kid who could even benefit from a redshirt year as he got bigger. But he was actually good enough in pass rush drills that he get, got an invite to the opening. So uh, pretty impressive there. Um, trying to think who else here. Jordan Woods is a guy to kind of keep an eye on uh, out of Trinity Catholic, another dude who I think is more of a strong side defensive end type, not quite a DT, but he doesn't have that great burst, so probably more of a, a run stopper. Um, I'm trying to think who else here to really talk about names to know. We already talked D-line. Um, oh, linebacker, Devin Bush Jr. Yeah. Obviously, the name Devin Bush should be familiar to a lot of Florida State fans. He's a kid who's short. I mean, he's barely six foot, and he's 220-ish. And I think if you're that size, you have to be able to kind of overcome that size and show that, hey, you may not turn into a superstar, uh, but you can be a very productive college player. And I think his film, combined with, with the athleticism that he showed at the camp, uh, justifies that. And that, that's going to be a Florida State and Georgia battle. And he made it very clear that he's not going to go to Florida State just because his dad's connection there. And, and that, you know, he uh, he really wants to be recruited like he's not a legacy and um, and just basically wants to see what, what, what all the schools have to offer. So that's definitely a name to watch. They already got the Horton kid. They already got the Rice kid. So right. – uh, they, they can kind of wait on some other guys. Uh, I know they like the Jamal Couch guy over in the summer. He's out of Phoenix City in, in Alabama, um, and I don't believe Bama's offered him, so they may have a shot at that. Uh, other guys, Carlos Becker, we already talked about, the defensive back, who, who I know they like a lot. Uh, they like Trayvon Mullen. Um, of course, he loves LSU, and so I, I think uh wouldn't totally surprise me to see LSU sign the, the, the top two corners in the state this year. Um, yeah, after getting the kid out of Jacksonville last year, that's uh, that'd be impressive. Yeah, it, it, it's tradition, man. The top corners in the state oftentimes go to LSU. You know, it, it started with Patrick Peterson back when he was Patrick Johnson, right? Uh, yeah, and, exactly. And then they got Rashad Robinson, who I believe got. I want to see. Uh, hold on. Before I say this, I want to Google it. Anyway, he ran in some trouble there at LSU. Um, uh, he did. He did. While you look at that, uh, what about the kid out of Virginia, Levanta Taylor? Is that somebody that Florida uh, State's a real player for? Yeah, I, I think they are. I also, um, I'm a little bit skeptical of how big this kid is. I know he's listed at 5'10". Uh, I don't know, just something. I'd, I'd like to see what they measure him in at if, if he comes down for a visit, uh, either for the spring game or, uh, you know, I don't think they take measurements on game day necessarily. I know he was down there visiting for the uh, for the Notre Dame game last year. If he comes down for a camp, I'd really like to see kind of how he measures in. I, I, personally, right now, I think uh, I think he's a little bit overrated in the national rankings. They, 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 various services have him as the 
number two or number three corner in the country, and he's certainly like a like a supercharged Greg Reed, if you will, maybe a little bit bigger than Greg was. But I, I think I would take other guys over him. I don't think I would take him over Trevon Mullen. Uh, I don't think I would take him over, over Savion Smith or, um, you know, probably John Broussard or, or any number of other guys, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think he's a, I don't know, top four or five corner at this point, just based on, on the, the much better size that the other guys in this class seem to have. That's just my opinion. Right. And I, I'm sure if FSU uh, ends up signing the kid, everybody will hate that opinion. So, anyway. Yeah, you suck, bud. You're <laughs> with all these kids. Uh, the, we'll wrap it up with the the Smith kid. I know he committed to LSU. Is that is that something that you think is open, or is that a, uh, a decision that's going to stick? I know there have been a couple different schools that really thought that he uh, he was perhaps headed their way, and and probably a uh, over assumption by some base of uh, Florida State's own fan base that thought that uh, just because a kid was at the IMG Academy, he was going to be headed to Tallahassee this year. We said previously, hey, the IMG Academy is not going to be a pipeline. Um, they are way, way too tied in to people with, uh, you know, stuff like, hey, their actual IMG business, right? Right. I mean, could you could you imagine being an IMG client and, and finding out that IMG was pushing kids to a school? I mean, mm-hmm. how much business would IMG lose over that? They're, they're, there's nothing in it for them. This is a very corporate, business-like atmosphere down there. They're not pushing kids to one school over another. Um, but, yeah, I think that. Some of the optimism on Savion Smith was uh, was justified in that, hey, he kind of fell in love with multiple schools, right? He he loved Clemson for a time. He loved FSU for a time. And then he goes to LSU and, and he commits to them. Uh, I believe his dad is on board with, with the commitment. So that's a, uh, that's a positive in LSU's uh, favor. But he also said um, that he's going to uh, – that he's going to take all his, all his visits um, and, and that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't surprise me to see him host a sort of uh, – Final announcement, if you will, at, at some later date. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the uh, the much beloved final decision. It's always a good sign when you got a kid doing that. Um, just as a very odd <laughs> segue, and uh, something you certainly won't get mentioned on other podcasts. If you're a business type, uh, actually, the creator of IMG wrote a book titled Something to the Effect of Things That They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School, uh, a guy who actually went to Harvard Business School, and, uh, again, about a corporate environment as you can get, so uh, very much supports what you said uh, about a large, massive company not necessarily finding the idea of funneling a bunch of kids to Tallahassee uh, as some kind of project, a real enticing uh, idea or offer, but if you're the type of person who likes to read uh, corporate literature and, and interesting things uh, beyond just uh, textbook stuff, something that I might recommend. So, again, I didn't mean to take the podcast down a uh, rabbit hole there, but something that uh, something that stuck out when you mentioned that. No, man, I, I think that makes it fun, you know. Um, That's true. Take the podcast off try, the rails a little bit. To, and, uh, try the best to, to stick to the topic at hand and uh, – I know that I listen to some podcasts, soccer-specific, where people just seem to think that their own personal lives are a really interesting subject. Uh, and for the vast majority of the audience, it's not really what uh, what they care to listen to. So we try to keep it on topic, but that is just something that popped up. Um, and Speaking of personal lives, uh, <laughs> I do have a hard drop in about 23 minutes because I'm going to go watch the Americans. Um <laughs> 
live. So, gotcha. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> let's get to it. Let's talk about the draft, bud. Uh, alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast. Um, you know, if there was one proverbial kind of feather that uh, Florida State had, had yet to be able to put in its cap, uh, it is the fact that they would have produced the number one overall pick. Um, and to this point, they have yet to been able to do that. Uh, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but it certainly looks like with this meeting that, that Jameis Winston is having in Tampa Bay that uh, really something would have to go catastrophically wrong, uh, at least in my opinion, you can tell me if you disagree, uh, for him to not be the number one pick um, and for him not to be the first Florida State player to do that. Um, so uh, it would be a large deal. Florida State's not like a uh, you know Fresno State or something like this that needs validation as a football program, but it, uh, it certainly doesn't hurt and it's going to continue a trend. Uh, it's going to condemn multiple trends, actually. Uh, perhaps the first being Jimbo Fisher absolutely getting his quarterbacks paid asinine amount of money after playing for him. Uh, but also the the run that Florida State's currently having in the NFL draft. Uh, you may have, I don't know what, 30 kids drafted off the 2012 team. Uh, just really unique, incredible numbers. And, uh, if we're going to talk about the draft, then, then we'd probably start with Javis Winston and a couple of the other kids who at least currently are projected to be first-round picks. Yeah, uh, that Javis had a, a really, really nice combine overall. Um, and, I mean, he did not run all that well, but ultimately... Oh, he just showed up fat as hell, you know, whatever yeah. he thought after looking at his pictures. Uh, I mean, God, some people are, there's some really stupid people out there. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, look. Showed up in good shape. Whip, you know, flicked the ball all around. Looked great. Uh, you, you, for all of Jameis's faults, you got to have a lot of confidence when he goes into an interview type setting. Uh, that's basically what this weekend is. Um, he, he looked more or less to wrap up being the number one overall pick. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, at this point, I, I think uh, uh, Tampa Bay Times has been actually tracking this since Tampa Bay is the number one overall pick. And I think 11 of 13 mock drafts at this point um, are, are projecting Winston to uh, to go to Tampa Bay. So th- those character questions really, really didn't seem to linger too often. We're, we're in early March here, and they've pretty much just been uh, kind of stamped out. And uh, that's just something that uh, kind of happens when you have that level of talent and uh, and no serious arrests or convictions on your record. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he did everything he needed to do with the Combine. He, he really kind of owned the Combine. I thought Mariota also had a nice Combine. But I don't want to take anything away from him, and I don't want to – I see a lot of this whole, like, hey, I prefer Jameis, so I'm going to shit on Mariota type mm-hmm. attitude. And, and I really don't think that's the attitude to take. I, I think that I mean, Mariota is one of the, the best spread-style quarterbacks to come out in a long time, and, and, and he may very well have success in the NFL. There's no doubt that he could. I mean, I, I, I think it's bad to kind of just shit on him uh, like, like I see some people doing. Of course, Winston was asked to do some more difficult things, which you can kind of say, well, why would your college ask him to do more difficult things? Why not put him in a better position to succeed? Of course, we saw him succeed at the highest level in 2013 when they won the national title. Um, you know, he's done more contested throws. He's thrown a lot with a lot more anticipation. Uh, ball placement is typically really good. He does trust his arm and takes risks, and uh, he's a very good leader with teammates. So, I think Ted Bay will pick him, and I, I don't really have much doubt at this point. I, I think it's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Sorry, go ahead. Certainly looks like it. Uh, the two other guys, at least right now, who appear to uh, to really, I don't want to say locks, but the most likely to be first-round picks. Um, Eddie Goldman, at least in this point, looks like he might go anywhere between 15 and 25. Um, and then you see Cam Irving more and more uh, as a likely first-round pick, probably somewhere between 22 and 30, something in that area. Uh, P.J. has crept up to an extent, but uh, I would be I would be surprised if Florida State went north of three. Uh, but uh, it really, the number for me is how many kids do they have taken in the top 50? Um, you got a chance to have seven kids uh, taken in that area, and that's just a uh, an asinine amount of talent to be on one team and gives you both perspective as to how good the teams in the past two years, three years have been from a talent perspective, but also you know, what's leaving and hopefully will give uh, give some of the more, um, uh, maybe you say, less <laughs> tied to reality, some, some type of reasonable expectation as to what this program has lost over the past 48 months or over the past 24, 36 months. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at this, Florida State is what? They're, they're most likely going to set the record uh, for uh, – for players drafted in a three-year period, right? During the, uh, at least during the 85 scholarship era, which would be the 95 draft. Now it's important to note that because previously when you, when you could carry a hundred guys in your roster, obviously if you have 15 extra scholarships, you're going to produce a few more first round picks. So comparing apples to apples really, really matters quite a bit there. Um, Anyway, the, uh, this looks like a really, really nice draft class. I'm just going going through their list here. Edwards Jr. Uh, could could probably go, you know, anywhere between what second to fourth, depending on, on how his personal workouts and interviews go. Ronald Darby, I've seen him in a few mock drafts, being in like like the late first round. Ultimately, he looks like a top, you know, at least a top seventy-five pick, probably higher given what he ran at the combine. You got to look Cam Irving's versatility, ability to play center, especially with all these NFL teams playing that three-four now and putting that big nose guard over the center. Uh, Rashad Green, I think, did what Rashad Green needed to do. He ran good, you know. He, he ran well. Uh, it, nobody thought he was going to run four three or anything like that, but he, he ran in the mid four fours, which I think is is accurate for him. And he was never going to be a first round pick, I don't think, because with his size, teams don't waste don't waste uh, first round picks for the most part unless they're like a true track guy on guys who can't be a difference maker in the red zone. So um, he's neither of those things, but he's a very dependable guy and a guy who I think could do well in the league um you know he, he's going to get drafted I, I think honestly i mean darby's getting drafted Edward jr's getting drafted irving goldman green jackson most likely matias o'leary carlos williams and pj williams i think they're all getting drafted the question i have is do you think anybody picks up bobby hart uh it wouldn't shock me uh, i i think o'leary might fall a little bit later than people would otherwise expect uh of the people that you just listed. Um, I would be surprised if Bobby Hart didn't get drafted. He's, he's you know, you got to remember, we've been talking about this for five years now. You got to remember how young that kid is. Uh, I, I think a team would draft him and, uh, you know, he's probably a, a guard at the next level. Um, but a guy that uh, I would be surprised if, if he had to go the, uh, you know, UDFA route. I'm glad you said that uh, because if that happens, Florida State's going to have 30 in three years. I mean, think about that. It, it, 2013 draft, 2014 draft, 2015 draft, 
Everett Dawkins, Vince Williams, Nick Moody, Dustin Hopkins, Brandon Jenkins, Chris Thompson, Menlick Watson, Cornelius Caradine, Xavier Rhodes, Bjorn Warner, E.J. Manuel, Telvin Smith, Brian Stork, Devontae Freeman, Terrence Brooks, Timmy Journey, and LaMarcus Joyner, Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, damn. That's, and, and, and plus the, the 12 guys that we read off, I, I think Carlos Williams will definitely get drafted now, by the way, after running you know 4-4 at, uh, at 230 pounds as a running back. That's Somebody's going to take a pick for that for sure. Yeah, yeah that has that has a six or seven round draft pick written all over it. Um, yeah, I agree. And it's a uh, hey, you know, let's be honest. Never, never sucks to break the Miami record. Uh, you know, no, nobody's going to break that uh, that first round record they have. But uh, wouldn't be a bad thing to knock them off one of their uh, remaining rings that they uh, hold on to. So, uh, no. just a small, small little play in the. Uh, dynamic relationship that is Florida State and Miami. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be, you know, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this before the draft, but... Uh, oh, uh, can I bring up one more thing real quick? Yeah, fire. Uh, Ohio State is... Florida State is going to take over from Ohio State as the team with the most picks in the uh, 85 scholarship era. They're going to have uh, somewhere between 127 at 129 uh, when this draft's hmm. over. Right now, they're one behind Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State right now currently is 118. FSU is 117 with USC and UGA and Miami uh, and then UF and, and a couple other schools there uh, at the end. So, anyway, Florida State is uh, it's going to be very, very far up there uh, and, and number one. And I'm sure that's something they'll be able to point out um, You know, since 1995, which is also, I mean, Pretty quick or pretty shortly before when many current recruits were born at this point. I was going to say, yeah. pretty much encapsulates every breath every recruit has ever taken in his life. I mean, it's, uh, I don't consider the two of us old by any means, but uh, it's not, you know, our perspective is not as as 30 year old is not that of, of what, uh, you know, your 17 year old is, obviously. And, uh, you know, we talk about, <laughs> former safeties with the last name of Bush. You and I remember that kid. Remember the games he had against Miami. Remember plays. Uh, not necessarily um, somebody whose whose name necessarily rings in the annals of, of fans that are much younger than you or I. Um, so it's interesting to see. But it's, that list is also interesting to me, but because it is 95 and it does encapsulate, you know, those first couple years there where Florida State was just, you know, minting uh, elite players per year, four or five guys a year, putting them into the league. But it also lets you know how much defensive talent in particular was still coming through this program between 2003 and 2009, really, uh, for Florida State to still be on a list like that with the absolute, like, just (laughs) lull that this program went through through that period of time. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. So cool, man. Off, Mickey. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's that was well done. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, you know the uh, the previous two year uh, best run for Florida State, right? Was uh, uh, 05, 06. and they actually huh. had they had six first rounders in that in that two year span. Well, what was it? Was it the uh, 06 year they had four kids in the first round? Now that's a little deceptive because one of them was Crow Marty who played two games that year. Uh, what was it? Sims, Bunkley, Crow Marty, and... Was it Wembley. Wembley. 
Yeah. 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 yeah they had uh, they had three of the top fourteen picks all on defense and uh, yeah. um and and really didn't didn't win much at all. So. Oh yeah 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 disappointing period of time. So uh, I don't don't need to rehash that by any means. Um, but yeah, good point there, and and a good pointing out of Tom that uh, you know you don't necessarily mentally associate with uh, with just tons of NFL talent necessarily being on the roster when you when you look back at the uh, success that those teams had. Um, so um, you know we'll really do more of a extensive spring preview. It's not something that we wanted to uh, have this run real long tonight. Um, I know we've both got things to do, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know how much more of my voice has in it. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap up now, bud, and uh, we will, you know, look to do uh, maybe a position-by-position position idea or some type of more comprehensive look ahead towards spring uh, and get back into the pattern of doing these things with a little bit more routine during this period of time before we, uh, you know, before we kind of go into our uh, – our summer holding program there for the, the two and a half months or three months before you, you really start to uh, to preview the, the first game of the year. I mean, there are so many questions here. I, we're actually, I, I, last last couple of years, I didn't do as comprehensive of spring previews. So I just I, I thought it was kind of a waste of time with, with, with teams that were so locked down. This year, we're actually going to do a spring preview for every single position out there. Uh, and I think it, it's worth it because a lot of fans out there, I think, kind of need a reminder Who's still on this team? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. They've lost so much talent over the last couple of years. I mean, you have how many spots are truly open for grabs here? Yeah. QB, tight end, uh, at least one of the receiver spots, most likely, although I, I think we, we kind of know the candidates there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tackle spot, two I would guard say spots, pretty much everywhere on the offensive line. Uh, with the exception of left tackle. Well, with the exception of uh, – <laughs> With the best nickname on the team, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's the got center it. spot, four seven. You know, um, I you think, think the center uh, spot's hammered away. I don't. I don't necessarily think that. No, I think it's open. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So that'd be seven. Uh, defensive tackle is, is certainly one. Although I guess Mitchell and Lord Stamp will probably have that on lock, but I, I guess we'll have to wait and see there um, to, to make make sure if, if anybody else wants to make noise. Uh, a linebacker spot is certainly open, especially with Reggie Northrop's ACL injury. He might not even right. play this year. You have Terrence Smith and Matthew Thomas. Who's going to be that third linebacker? And then I think you, in the secondary, you lose both your corners. Um, and then I think you also have some questions at safety. I mean, it, Nate Andrews was, was really, really good as a freshman in a very limited role. That was the kind of nickel Mike linebacker, but then this year right. he was a complete liability in coverage. And uh, and a lot of people uh, blasted Tyler Hunter, I thought, on Twitter disproportionately to the criticism that the other safety received. And I, I didn't really get that. Not that Tyler Hunter was a good player. I'm not trying to say that. Uh, but at the same time, I thought he had to cover a lot more ground to make up for the deficiencies of Andrew. So uh, I think when you figure out who's going to play these positions this year, like, will Jalen Ramsey move to corner? I, I think he might. Um, yeah. if, if so, who's going to play at the star position? Are you going to have somebody that can perhaps take Andrews or Hunter's spot and move them into a more limited role? How does Marquez White play at the other corner if he's indeed in the lead for that? How does Ryan Green transition to corner? You know, is LaMarcus Brutus, uh, you know, as a fifth-year senior, can he be more physical and perhaps take a, a starting safety spot after being – you know, pretty serviceable and limited action last year. 
as that kind of sixth DB. You know, how well does Derwin James pick up this uh, this defense? You know, what does Trey Marshall give you after having some uh, some nice contributions there in in the uh, AC title game against Georgia Tech? There's a lot of questions to answer, even in spots where you kind of know who the starters are going to be. You might not even know what positions they're going to start at, especially in a spot like a secondary where, yeah, you know, hey, yeah. we'll see. Um, you know, in addition, all these redshirt freshmen, think of all these guys who redshirted. Jichikon, all the early enrollees. I mean, that, that, yeah. that to me is the – I said this a couple of months ago. This, this, to me, is the most anticipated spring practice that I can remember in the program's history. Not so much because it's, you know, it's not two years ago where you think you might have uh, you know, you, where you think you might have a difference maker at quarterback and you want to look at him, but you've got so many open positions, so many kids in these past two recruiting classes that haven't played because of all the guys that we just talked about uh, as far as their draft status as much as maybe they otherwise would have. And then you have just this unique blend of uh, insane talent that is coming in in this class and the disproportionate amount of it that's already on campus and is going to take part in the spring um, uh, we're not doing this for hype reasons. We're not trying to, uh, you know, peak an interest that wouldn't otherwise be there. But I don't think it's, it's uh, you know, unresponsible to build this as, as one of the more intriguing spring practices that Florida State's had. I mean, look, just I'm going to read this. You realize that, okay, Florida State's roster right now uh, for spring ball, 25 and 23 is, what, 48? All right. 48 guys have taken a snap in a game for Florida State. 19 have not. <laughs> I mean, J.J. Costantino, Maven Saunders, DeAndre Johnson, Ryan Izzo, George Campbell, Devontae Phillips, Jacques Patrick, Derek Kelly, Corey Martinez, Alec Eberle, Brock Rubel, Ethan Frith, Adam Torres, Frederick Jones, uh, Arthur Williams, Josh Sweat, Delvin Purifoy, Derwin James, Calvin Bruton. I know that, that Josh Sweat's not going to be in spring practice. Jimbo already said right. he's not participating. And I, I right. think people should not count on him to do anything for the team this year. I think that that was a grossly overestimated timetable, to be honest, um, or, or underestimated, if you will. Right. Uh, for the, for the I think he built a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, oh, but, and Frederick Jones, the uh, Frederick Jones, the, the missing piece that we forgot to mention out of that uh, central pipeline earlier. Yes. Oh, shoot. A big part of Florida State's future, no doubt. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what all those guys become. And it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, what spring looks like, how they split it up, um, how they try to get uh, just this, this large uh, percentage of the team uh, that hasn't seen plays at that level. And, and, and like you said, how much – how much burn somebody like James gets in the secondary because that is a legitimate kid that could be starting in game one for you. Um, so I'm excited. Can't wait to talk about it. Can't wait to read about it on your site and other places. And uh, But I look forward to us uh, covering this. I look forward to, to talking to you next time. But I think we've uh, I think we've accomplished what we set out to tonight. Absolutely. Thanks, Edgar. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Thanks to everybody that listens to this. Uh, continually blown away by uh, where we're ranked and on iTunes and things like that. Uh, very much appreciate people who share this, give comments, subscribe, uh, any way that you feel uh, comfortable doing or you feel appropriate. Certainly appreciate it, and, and it, 
it contributes to some exciting things that uh, the podcast may be able to accomplish in the future. So uh, excited to talk to you again, bud. We'll do it soon. And uh, thank you again to everybody who chooses to listen. All right, man. Well, uh, we'll just turn it off here, and uh, it won't respond to me. <laughs> it's not the first time it's done that. Enjoy the Americans. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll cut this up either later tonight or tomorrow and get it to you so you can put it on the site, and we'll just get back into the routine. Thanks. Awesome, man. All right. We'll talk. All right. Good talk. Talk to you later, man. All right. I'll see you, dude. Uh, I was podcasting.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.